Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Somebody To Me podcast, where we have meaningful conversations with influential somebodies focusing on their mentors and unsung heroes that help them to get to where they are today. It takes a village to build anything. It takes a community to care about something. And it takes a plethora of individuals to come into our lives at different moments to change it forever. I'm your host, Sam Dannon. And if you think you have to actualize your dreams alone, somebody to me is a reminder that you don't. Many would say that it's difficult to find a mentor that truly has your best interest in mind, will be there no matter what, and can also challenge you throughout any course of your career. I, like many people, had been searching for someone I could trust and be inspired by, even while knowing that somebody needed to come into my life at that right moment. That was the case for Sarah Kim James. Our mutual friend Kyle linked us together via email, and from there we became digital pen pals since she was still living in New York. In about a two-year span, big life moments happened, and I almost even gave up on meeting her in person. But finally, I met Sarah in real life at the Line Hotel in Koreatown a little after she relocated to L.A., We were sitting in a booth, there was a daytime DJ, and we became fast friends. I even gave her one of the first Somebody to Me scarves and told her about the project in its infancy. Everyone who knows Sarah knows that she is the connector of all people and all things. She selflessly gives her resources out to those that she finds would benefit from them and always finds the greater reasons of why things should matter. With her colorful job experience from working an editorial for Outdoor Voices, The Recreationalist, and Goat's Greatest, from working in social and digital for Nike NYC and Converse, as well as influencer marketing with brands like Google, Red Bull, and Jordan Brand, she also is the founder of By Way of Us, a print magazine turned educational event series for entrepreneurial women. I'm proud to be by way of art director and working with Sarah has honestly changed the way I work with others, especially when it becomes business and personal life meshed together. I'm excited to share our talk with such a big community hero. Here's somebody to me, Sarah Kim James. This is really exciting. I'm really excited for you. I'm excited for you and everything that you're doing. And I'm just so so honored to have you share your life with me. You know somebody, but you know a certain part of somebody wherever you meet them in that place in life. And so it's just nice to take it all the way back. So speaking of taking it all the way back, I want to start here. I want to start with who is the first person you remember influencing the work that you do now? And then just take us through that story, starting with that, that moment. I think, you know, when I was thinking about you, Sam, and thinking about this whole thing, I think there are so many people that come to mind. Um, so it's it's actually really hard. But when I think of everything that I do and how it encompasses and how what I would call is like investing into people um, and building community, I feel like, you know, under those two bubbles is all these by way of Brooklyn, turned by way of us, you know, and being an editorial, like, sort of person, you know, then everything falls under that. But I think when it comes to investing in people and building community, um, my mentor, his name's Evan Gubernick, um, he was creative director at the magazine that I worked at for five years in New York. 
um, called Antenna. It's a men's magazine, um, Lifestyle Mag. I had never seen someone, I had never met someone who's so sort of selflessly invested into people and invested into the work they were doing um, just because it was the right thing to do. <laughs> That's rare. And, um, a white male at that um, in New York, right? So it just felt like this perfect storm of, um, of sort of... Uh, like challenging everything that I had thought and seeing him do it so seamlessly and seeing him do it without a pat on the back, seeing him do it without credit. Like he was never doing anything to garner any of those things. It was just because he wanted to um, do the right thing. So I think for me, like, and if, if you want to go earlier, I mean, we can go earlier, but I feel like formative when I'm thinking about the work that I'm doing now, especially Evan comes to mind very quickly. Um, I remember um, writing a piece, my first like press piece in Tokyo and him being, and it just pushing the deadline further and further and it going to print and not feeling like really good about it. And he was like, hey, just had some thoughts on your piece if you wanna talk about it. It's already like in print at this point. And he's like, hey, you were this close to hitting a home run and you didn't. <laughs> and I was like, and this is print, right? Like this is already, and I'm just like, yo, that's wow. And he said, you know, if you can try not to push a deadline like that far again. And like, this is the way in which like you could have hit a home run. You were so close. Um, had, had you just had like a few more people read it, like you would have knocked it out of the park, you know? And he said, I'm always happy to read anything. Um, if you'd like me to, you know, and if not, then totally fine, you know, but if, if you'd like me to, I can. And from there, I felt like um, him having taken that time to do that, from there, I feel like seeing him as someone who, as I, I really looked up to, like from there, it kind of just took form. Um, he's married to an amazing woman named Janie Samuels, um, who is an artist. Uh, her like artwork is probably like the favorite piece that I have. Um, hers and Nick's, uh, those two pieces are the favorites in, in our home. And so, yeah, Evan is the person that came to mind very quickly when I thought of, yeah, when you, when you asked that question. What a rare person to, Very to rare. get out of their way, way willingly, you know, to just make people better. Because I think that, I think that he could have held that information hostage and not cared enough to give it to you. But the fact that he went out of his way to kind of check in and let you know and kind of support from afar mm -hmm. and understand like when when he feels like it's necessary to share that with you in order to make, make you better. Goodness, that is very selfless. And we weren't close at that point. Like it wasn't that like, um, I didn't feel like, I felt really intimidated by Evan because he's our creative director of our magazine. I wasn't interacting with him so much. So for someone to take time, right? I think like not caring, indifference is like, that's the easiest thing. But for someone to take time and then potentially be like, oh, I'm going to hurt this little girl's feelings or, like, you know, whatever it is, like to still have taken the time and to have made that time to have read it. And then, you know, obviously for the good of the magazine, but in addition to that, to make me a better writer, you know, and to... Um, feel like it was okay to make mistakes as well you know like I think just that conversation encompasses so many hard parts of having a conversation it's like hey you didn't you missed the mark you could have you could you can get it next time 
there will be a next time. It's okay, but do better. You know, like how, how do you encompass all of those things in a conversation with making someone feel excited and inspired versus feeling really deflated? Yeah. Well, speaking of after that, let's yeah. go before that because I know that, I mean, this is an incredible person, Evan, um, but I know because I know you personally yes. that you have these innate qualities in you right. that um, cause you to even meet Evan in the future right. without right. knowing that right. you were going to meet him. And so I would say like, where- I'm Younger. Yeah, like where do you feel like, you know, this, these innate qualities of you wanting to learn more, do more, say more, um, support more, where does that kind of come from? Yeah, I think it, um, I think it definitely comes from my mom. Um, I'm, I'm going to cry. Oh my God. That's um, okay. <laughs> she is just like this powerhouse, like Korean woman. Um, it's so funny because she says like, oh, American people did it. And my sister's always like, you are American. And she's like, I don't know. But, you know, she's like, I feel like I'm stuck in 1970s Korea. So when I'm here, I don't feel like I'm, a, I'm American. And then I go Korean it's like not Hiram Brett at all so she's like I'm kind of in this weird interesting like stuck in between place which I wonder for a lot of our parents you know who immigrated here um but my mom like I think that so much of what she's taught us um and instilled in us is because she didn't have it or experience it um in a way and I think that a lot of like uh us who are kids of immigrant parents, um, of our parents who immigrated here and got to live here and grow up here and all of that, like, I think there's sometimes a burden, you know, um, but with my mom, it never felt like a burden. Um, it always felt like a, thank you. It always felt like she wasn't saying it because you have to, or we, we move you for a better life. Like that wasn't ever the conversation. She's like, well, I've been on the other side. I've gone through the other side. So I would really recommend not doing it that way. There's a better way, you know? And so I felt like it always came from her in that way. And I think um, faith was like a very big part of that for her. And for her to say, like, I'm going to mess up, dad's going to mess up, but, like, you can always come to us, like, and ultimately can always go to God. Like, we're not always going to be able to have the right answers, and we're not, we're not going to, we're going to mess up, you know, but I think ultimately, like, your faith is, is the only thing that you're going to be able to stand on. You'll have all these other things, but it's like icing on the cake. It's not the cake. Um and that was really empowering to hear too. Like, I feel like with her, she's so compassionate and she extends so much grace. Um, and she's really for people. Um, I think she's a bit naive too. And I think it's like a, it's a really beautiful quality. Not, not, uh, I don't mean to sound condescending. Like she doesn't understand why people don't want to work harder. She doesn't understand why people aren't like more, um, personable or more kind or more thoughtful or more selfless. You know, my sister really picks a lot of that up from her. I think she has really high standards for a lot of people, you know, and she holds people in high regard um, without having to earn it. Like she already has that for them. Being a working woman and still taking us to all of our practices and still making time for us and doing like flashcards with us. Like we had this insane set of like, flashcards of insects and presidents and state capitals and you know just like her 
you know, taking us to all, just saying yes to anything that we wanted to try, whether it was dance or cello or tennis or whatever it was, she's always, always let us like do what we wanted to do. And, um, I'm learning now as a mom, it's so crazy, like how intense her schedule was. Um, and thinking of her still having made that time is like mind blowing to me. Like I just couldn't, there's no way, you know? So my mom definitely, you know, and I think a lot of that stuff is because it was have not from her. And so she's like, I want you to have, and I'm learning from the have not portion of it. Um, but it never felt like you must or a burden or something I have to live up to. It never felt that way. I love that. And I love that um, actually these two things stand out to me when you talk about your mom. It's one, like that naivete that you're yeah. talking about. A lot of people do think it is has this negative con- connotation, yeah. but I think the, some of the purest people have yes. that quality. Pure. I think pure is such a better word. You're right. Yeah. It's like they're they're so pure. They're so like they still see the good no matter what. Yes. They still have questions. They're so curious. They still don't know how something is certainly done. So right. in a, in a way, they're more creative. Yes, because they're just naive to how it's always been done. Right. And even just saying that out loud reminds me of the Sarah that I know, which is which is great to have picked that up from your mom and not realizing that that would just transcend throughout your life. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I'm thinking about young Sarah Mm -hmm. and she's in middle school and high school, Mm -hmm. wherever she is, she's Mm -hmm. picking up these qualities. She's Mm -hmm. obviously coming from this like very, very loving family and very Mm -hmm. loving background. I I personally would be in my Asian traditional home as this Sam, and then I would go to my super white high school as yep. a different Sam. So who was Sarah, knowing all that we know, who wow. was Sarah and who who were her friends and what was she into? Yeah, it's so interesting. I just was telling a friend about this over the weekend. Um, I, I'll, I will describe like the Sarah who I was growing up and then where the change happened. Um, the Sarah I was growing up, was not the Sarah I am now at all. Like I was someone who um, only liked boys. Um, I dated everyone that I could date. Uh, I really liked boys and I really liked sports. And the only girl that I needed in my life was my sister. Girls kind of sucked. Like, why why do I need girlfriends? (laughs) If I can, like, if I have a boyfriend and I have my sister and like my family, like I'm good. And, you know, I was this Korean girl at church. Uh, We would go to our like Korean church and it was very like natural for me to be Korean there. And then would go to like school and it was like me and my sister, like the cool, like Asian girls, you know, like they call my sister Lil Kim, you know, and uh, volleyball and dance and all those things. Um, But it was still the same. And then you know, like well-liked and well-received and like, I, I really liked being liked and I liked being the center of attention. And I really liked, yeah, like winning as many awards as I could and getting a pat on the back and um, people agreeing with me and congratulating me and being good with my decisions is something that was really, really important to me growing up. And now raising Kiko, it's like interesting to see sort of, I, I wonder, 
not detrimental, but like what that dynamic will be. Cause I, I don't think it was bad, but I think that there's like a reckoning that, that happened to me definitely. Um, and I can talk more about that part if you'd like, but then I went to college at UC Davis and, um, I started going to a church and like a Christian ministry and all these things. And like all the girls sucked again, like they sucked. Like I wasn't Korean enough, but I wasn't white. And like all, I, like I came, I'm coming from Washington state and I'm going to UC Davis and everyone that's from date, like goes to Davis is from the Bay area. And so like, I remember my two guy friends being like, yo, who is that Korean girl singing with all the white kids? Like who, like, or she's clearly not from here. <laughs> Cause if she's in the Bay, like half the school would be her friend already kind of, you know? And so I just was like, whoa, I did not know that there are this many Asian people. And like this like swath of like rainbow of like so many different ethnicities, you know? And um, so I ended up like going to this ministry, like this Christian ministry and like all the girls were like super Korean, like fluent in Korean, like watch K-dramas, like, and I felt really chastised for like, being really good at sports and like all the boys liking me and me liking all the boys, you know, and like not being able to be buddy, buddy with a lot of those girls, like save like a few. Um, and so sort of that narrative continued on until I moved to New York, which is at 21. And it was the first time I had been single in my whole life. Like literally I've had a boyfriend since like the third grade, like as many boyfriends as I can remember. Um, and I've never liked girls for as long as I can remember. Like, it's fine. Like best friend, like on sports teams, like whatever. And you know me now. So it's like kind of crazy. I, I would say like, if you told me in college that I would be a champion for women, um, that I would prefer women over men, um, in terms of like how I spend my time, um, that I'd be single for five years in New York. Like, I just wouldn't believe any of it. So then when I moved to New York, it was, it was like, God was like, nah, 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 nah. You're not doing this again. You're not gonna keep breaking hearts. You're not gonna keep using people. Um, and you're gonna find like the value in, in what really matters, you know? And so I moved to New York and I started attending this church. Um, and it was like, unlike any other church I've ever been to in my whole life. Like it was not like my Korean church that I grew up in, which is fine. I had no negative feelings about it, but it was like every race. Um, and in New York city, a lot of these churches, you can tell that's all transplants. Like this church was not that way. It was like a lot of people were native New Yorkers and a lot of people weren't, you know? And I was like, wow. Um, and then on top of that, it was like every income level, like again, like different churches I visited in New York, it's like either very, very wealthy um like you can tell because everything's beautiful or like the snacks after service are really good or whatever it was like every economic level and every professional level I felt like and we had people who are really well off and people who are not well off we had people sharing that they're really struggling in their marriage you know we had people like on the brink of divorce like talking about it at church like it was just like unlike any other church I'd ever been to and I was like this is what Christianity looks like. Like, this is what church is supposed to look like. And throughout my whole time in New York, I, and then I met my, one of my best girlfriends, Lynette Kim, who is nothing like me. She is the opposite of me in every way. She's 10 years older than me. Um, she's really quiet. She's introverted. Um, she's so wise. When I think of Lynette was like wisdom is the first word that comes to mind. She's slow to speak. I feel like I'm very brash and like, we'll say, what's on, on, you know, in, in the name of like being real 
or like being honest, you know, like that Lynn's not like that. Um, and Lynn is like actually a lot like my sister, um, but older and, and wiser, I feel like. So it was really interesting that when we became friends, I was able to understand a bit more. So Lynn was the first woman that I feel like in my life, outside of my sister, at 22 years old in New York City, that I was like, wow, I guess not all women are terrible. And this woman is phenomenal. Like she's someone that I've just never, I've never met another woman like this. Like nothing that I was sharing made her feel insecure. Like she celebrated me for who I was and we were nothing alike. Um, And she just put me on, like she works in publishing. She's worked in publishing for a really long time. So anything that I had written, she would be like, have you read this person? Or have you thought about this? She would edit all of my work after Evan was like, you need to have other people read this stuff. Um, and through her, I was like, I just don't think I could have survived New York without Lynette. And she felt like a godsend. Like if someone sends you an angel, it felt like Lynn was that person. Like I was like, well, you just being who you are have changed how I've thought about women my, for my entire life. Um, you've now changed that narrative and like there is now forgiveness over those girls in college like there's forgiveness over other women that I like didn't befriend for whatever reason and from her through her I met one of my really close friends Yvonne because they had grown up together went to church together and from there it was the women at work and you know I never thought that and I worked in a men's magazine that was the coolest thing to be a girl working in a men's magazine that was so on brand for like old Sarah Kim so then to have wanted to start a women's magazine called By Way of Brooklyn and it'd be about all women was so the antithesis of who I felt like I was. But it made sense when I had gone to that church, when I had met Lynette, and when I started interviewing these women and I was like, wow, women are on another level and I'm a woman and I can be like these women that I'm interviewing. And from there, that is the Sarah that I feel like formed. And it wasn't that long ago when I think about it, you know, like, um, that really helped shape who I am and shape my formative, like my twenties in New York. Like it, it could have been very easy going. I was single for five years. Like I did try to date people, but nothing like seriously like came of anything. And instead I just met so many wonderful women and so many of those women I'm still in touch with today, whether it was through by way of Brooklyn at that point or someone like Lynette, who was, you know, my bridesmaids, her, my sister, you know, and one of my very best friends. So it's crazy because I don't feel like the person that you feel like you know today happened because of middle school and high school or it happened not really that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, you know, is like really when it all happened um, and has developed in the last 10 years. It wasn't like the first 20 years of my life at all. If anything, the last 10 years of my life has helped redeem and reconcile and make sense of, or almost make the story more beautiful. It, you know, I wasn't like a women for women for sure. I was just more like, oh, like boys are yeah. sister, It's all good. Like I don't need anything else. I'm so glad that you had someone like Lynette to kind of shift shift your perspective. Yeah, you know, on a different type of human being, which they're all different, yeah. and they could all offer something different to you, but you can offer something different to them location has a lot to do with it as well like you know I I mean and I feel you when it's like well God was like hold on you're not going to do the same thing that you did before yeah like let's change it up and 
it's so wonderful that you actually have this pivotal moment that you can yeah. come back to where that change happened. Yeah. Because a lot of the times as we're moving through life, right. we're just like, I don't know, it just happened over time. Right. But it's, it is really astonishing how somebody and then the somebody's thereafter can just really shape, you know, kind of like your focus and your own personal manifesto. Yeah. You do. Super important. And I know that you're close with your dad as well and just your whole family, yeah. but like your mom and your sister, the strongest women, you know, yes. they were enough to right. you over until you until. were 22 years old. And That's really although they yeah. still are. Yeah. Now you have these other confidants right. in your life. Definitely. And after the fact, like my pastor and pastor's wife, Mel, like Mel was such like um, a balm, you know, like a soothing balm, I feel like. And like Lynn was such like a, was that for her and my sister, like have a really amazing relationship as well. They've both gone through depression together. They've gone through these different things. Dad, if you could, if, if, you know, I might have to feed Kiko, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Come here, hungry boy. And now we have a son. How crazy. Look at this handsome guy. Hi, Auntie What's Sam. What's up, dude? I just wanted to be on the call. I heard yes. things were going on. Be on the call, Kiko. Cool. Uh, don't even get me started. Babies are... Love them. Love them. Obsessed. Yeah, it's interesting because all those women then have really... Um, fed into my mom and sister in a really different way. Like now, after the fact, like a lot of those friendships that I have, yeah, Kiko. It's almost like them, like being the weight bearers, suddenly not was alleviated, but like my mom is obsessed with Lynette and Yvonne. You know, my sister has a really close and very different relationship with Lynette. Um, they empathize in a way that I could never empathize with them. I can sympathize with them, but they're very similar in their personality. And then, um, you know, I think when, when me and my mom talk about marriage and like, she's just like, I didn't have anyone to talk to about it through all the women I had met and their struggles in marriage and like the different nuanced things about it. It was so amazing to be able to share that with her. And she's like, wow, it's so awesome that you have this. I never had this, you know? So it's it's been really it like a like full circle i think like they held me over then i met these women and it was able to be like this reciprocal sort of relationship again i'm so happy that you got to experience that and it's interesting that in those 5 years you were single yes then you were able to kind of then refocus and shift your energy into meeting these different types of people that now instigate like the work that you do now ah. But I also know that that can be difficult. Yeah. Like, it could be difficult to meet the right people when you're in a totally different place in your life. I know you talked about Evan, Lynette, Yvonne, and Mel, but for you and trying to figure out like your, say your next move or your moves within this men's magazine, was were you trying hard to seek other advice and was it difficult? Evan was the only guy. <laughs> the rest of the staff was women working on this men ma men's magazine because you know we get this shit done right so my fashion director jenny lee and my editor-in-chief kaidi velez um they're really pivotal um 
and giving me a chance and like schooling me and grooming me. Yeah, it was awesome to have those ladies like really pour into me and teach me the ins and outs of like what it took to make a magazine, like what it took to make a fashion editorial, like what it took to make like sections of a magazine and enlist writers and contributors and negotiate prices and word counts and what makes the story good and who to send on what press trip and why like the Kaidi in terms of the editorial sense really taught me that and Jenny from a fashion perspective really taught me um what it, what it takes to to do all that side of things and how to work with brands and PR people and pull samples and steam clothes and you know the whole thing yeah. never has to share and it's so nice that you got the works it sounds like you got the works yeah and then it wasn't enough hours so I was like I was really praying about it I was like god I need something else to come through and then they fired the editorial assistant so and then I was asked to be editorial assistant so I was doing Monday Wednesday Friday editorial Tuesday Thursday fashion so I got to see the whole magazine and then I think as I was learning from Jenny and Kaidi, which was great, um, I ended up having to choose one. So I went to editorial because actually writing was really, really hard. Not that fashion wasn't, but writing was like the first thing in my life that I had seen and done that I was like, wow, I really want to work at this. I've never been bad at something, like good at something, but need to work on it. And I've actually wanted to do that. They were so important, but Evan really was like to me, the one that stands out like and again like I don't it's not because it's I don't want to minimize Kaidi and Jenny they tell me everything that I know the ins and outs but I think Evan was asking me sort of these questions that were like life questions you know like why is that important why is that so important or why is that unimportant or like who would you bring on or why do you want and when when antenna folded because it was that time when like time went digital, like mad titles were just folding. Um, we started by way of book and he's like, why this woman, you know, like what's her deal? And like, why, why are we featuring these women? And are there deeper questions that you can ask them? Kiko, you're just going. Um, and those are questions that I had not considered before, you know, and really I feel like made the fabric of by way of, you know, um, what it is. And it was definitely a collaboration, like the 85 year old question, like, where do you see yourself at 85? What are you doing? That's like a favorite question that a lot of women were like, I can't, I've been thinking about this question, you know, once we started to gain a little steam um, because no one was asking those kinds of questions. And that definitely was like a Sarah and Evan production, you know, like a question like that, you know? And so um, I don't, I don't want to minimize like anyone else's contribution in New York, but Evan to me is the most standout for sure. Just because he's that person that would ask those questions at that level and with that depth, not with, not because he's trying to be cerebral or like deep, just because that's like really who he is. That's, I mean, that's great. And it's great to go back to that and really understand how impactful that someone was to you or is to you even to this day. Mm-hmm. But now we are here with single Sarah, but it's like that five-year mark. So yeah. where did the tide turn for you? And when did you know it was, there's something, there's something itching within you to meet this somebody, this Listen, new somebody? This somebody I didn't know was a somebody in my life. 
all right? This somebody was a friend for a really, really long time. I must have been in the first year that I was in New York. And Alex worked at a shoe company called Thoroughcraft. Alex has like been director and like helped a lot of brands grow. So now it's crazy that he's finally working on his own brand. And a lot of people only know him as his own brand, but he has just helped so many people. We were just friends for a really long time. And, and we were setting each other up with other friends. <laughs> no feelings it, there was no feelings that's why we were doing it you know it was like not even a thing and alex is someone that i just always ran into at different events because we're in the same industry i featured i think we featured thoroughcraft in the magazine we'd always be in vegas at trade shows and you know we'd always just see each other and then we Alex is like a talker and he loves talking on the phone and he lived in Jersey and he had a car. So he'd be like, Hey, you want to go thrifting? Or like, Hey, you want to grab lunch? And Alex always was a friend. He sold the Brooklyn flea for five years when it was cool, like vintage. He's a big vintage guy. So we'd go thrifting sometimes in Jersey or like other places, but it's not something he only did with me. Like he just did it with his friends and ice cream and we just hang, you know, it was not anything. Um, and maybe I had my guard down because I didn't think that it was anything. And then it was one summer in New York. Like it always is one summer in New York and Alex was single and I was single for the past five years. <laughs> you were available. Super available. <laughs> he was like so girl crazy and it was like, he was only calling me about like that kind of stuff at that point. And I was like, you know what? He was cool, but he's not cool now. So I'm just gonna like, take some distance. I'm just gonna, maybe we don't need to be friends. Like it's all good, you know? And like, he's clearly like doing his thing. So we're just gonna, and then he kept like trying to call me and like kick it and like, be, you know, just be regular and like be friends. And I just kept being like, no, like I'm busy here. Like just kept like, and I remember we were at this like 21 Mercer, like Nike, um, what Nike used to be in Soho, um, like party. And I'm 5'4 and Alex is 6'5. So I like I can see Alex before he can see me. And I just remember seeing Alex and I was like, oh God, you know. And it's just it's one of these New York summer parties, like packed, like lots of people. Um, and I just see Alex like panning the room, like looking around. And I'm like, is this what you're looking for? Sarah! I've been looking for you, like, across the room. Like, doesn't care, like, who, you know, like, he just doesn't care. Like, Sarah, I've been looking for you. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> me? And he comes over, he's like, I just, I want to be friends again. Like, what is it going to take? Like, I just want to be friends again. So it was obvious that you weren't, like, it was obvious you were giving him kind of the cold shoulder, and he knew it. Great. Great. So after that, I was like, wow, this guy really wants to be friends, you know? And I was like, and he doesn't care. Like, he didn't care about who it was or wasn't in the room or, like, I don't know what potentially other people could have cared about and was, like, really, like, he heard that I was there. There was a chance that I couldn't, like, you know, like, hang up the phone or be like, just, oh, I'm busy or dodge him or whatever. Like, Sarah, I'm looking for you. I want to be friends again, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, you know? And that really, like, had meant a lot to me that someone would do that um, and, like, make a point to do that after I had just, like, 
you know, then we just kept hanging out that summer. And then I, one night thought that uh, Alex was going to make a move and he didn't. And I sat in the car waiting and he goes, he turns and looks at me, he goes, Sarah, okay, stop being weird. Bye. And I was so embarrassed and I got out of the car and I slammed the door and I was like, whoa, you just made up that whole narrative in your head that something was going to happen, like that he was going to make a move. And then I texted him and I was like, yo. And there was like mad girls texting him like the the whole way he was driving me home because he had a car again and a bunch of our friends went to go out to eat and he was like, I'm not going to go, but if you want to ride home because you live so far away. I like lived in Flatbush. Like I just lived so far because it's what I could afford. He's like, I'll give you a ride home, you know. And then I texted him after I, after I embarrassingly slammed the door and I was like, yo, all these women were texting you tonight. Like things could have been different. I'm like walking up the stairs and he's like, were we just about to make out? And I was like, yeah. I thought, I thought we were, should yeah. I come back? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So he came back and I had to walk down the stairs. I had to open up the car door and sit back in the car. And I was so embarrassed and then we kissed and it was like fireworks. And I don't usually say that, but it was like, we were smiling, we were laughing. We were like, oh my gosh, if I knew it was gonna be like this, I would have done this sooner. You know, it was just like, it was amazing. And from there, I mean, the story is very complicated. We did for three months. I cut it off because I didn't think Alex was the one. I didn't think I was gonna marry a white man from New Jersey. I thought I was going to marry a Korean Christian man who was going to pray for me every day. They were going to, you know, do the regu regular sort of status quo, like thing that I had been doing the five years like prior. 2014, Alex was like, yo, what is it going to take? And we walked the top of Central Park, like the lake outside of the Guggenheim, like for hours. He's not the person I thought I was going to be with. I, I didn't know, I knew who I was and what I wanted and how does that, how do I reconcile that compromise if there's compromise? Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Look at the hand. And then, yeah. Um, and Alex said, yo, I'm moving to LA in March. And I was like, well, perfect. Perfect. Because then, because then if it works, then... We can try it and have to spend time and money on the relationship. And if it doesn't work, then he's in a different city, you yeah. know? And I was like, let's see how it goes. So we really gave it a go. I felt like we, we went slow because I was so hurt for a long time. And there's a lot of trust that needs to be regained. So 2014 was like us building it back. Then 2015 was like, wow we've done long distance for a year and it, we did long distance for another year. And I moved to LA after that. And then we, we not into his place, into my own place in case, you know, in case anything happened and just to be safe and um, not be asked out if like something were to, were to fall through or it not work out and to alleviate pressure as well for it to have to work out. Mm -hmm. um, then we got quickly engaged and quickly married after that. And then not quickly baby, three years and then baby. I can't believe that was three years ago because that, 
I think that was the time that I was introduced to you yeah. via email because, yeah. and I tell this story to people all the time because they think it's so important um, because it's actually very difficult. You know, I was basically crying to him that I, I wanted a mentor and I feel like it's hard to find your somebody or you, you yes. find, you know, somebody who gets you, somebody who cares about you, somebody like Evan who goes out of their way, yes. you know, who sincerely wants you to be better because they see that for you. And yeah, Kyle was just like, I know the perfect person, Sarah, here's her email. And I emailed you. And then like, and then yes, you so, so generously emailed me back. But then you were like, I am just got engaged. I'm going to get married. I just, and that's where, that's my chapter with you as far as like when I met you. That's crazy. And then I didn't, and then I, I don't think we talked for a while maybe six months or almost yeah. a year something like that I didn't realize that was the timing that was exactly the time I mean the, it's funny because if you go into those emails and yeah. you see the thread you literally are like I just got engaged I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that like if, if we go all the way back that's a time stamp I'm going to for now so you know you've talked about these like really pivotal people from being you know from when you're younger but then you went to New York and then now you're yeah. in LA um, is there somebody just that is consistently, you know, reminding you or making you feel like you're important and that you're somebody um, of importance at all during this time, kind of lifting you up? You, you talked about a dark time and, you know, you went from super single. Now you're super married. Um, what was that consistency like? I mean, and it could even be you. You were reminding yourself, you know, throughout this whole time. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't, for the sake of your platform, it's it's hard because it's it's a lot of somebody's. Yeah. And I think because I'm a community builder and like love community, it's like people like you calling me, Sam, and asking me questions that make me inspired. You know, it's like people like Laura who have done the good work and think that like local government and local politics is so cool being like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. So I think that I have so many people that are like that. And, and because like you and I have said, like there's not really time for people who aren't like that anymore. And it's not because, not in a mean way, but um, in a way that I feel like maybe before I was more willing to invest in a lot of people, been very like choosy, especially now having a baby or having gotten married or whatever it was, like how I'm spending my time, you know? And then on the flip side of that, it's, um, you know, Alex for sure. And, and my mom again, for sure. And in this new context, but for me, I think it's been me and my faith. Like, I think that when I realize that the only dependence and consistency that I have is God in my life, um, you know, the Bible's the same, you know, it hasn't changed. Like, and yet those words are still like living for me and like so active for me, like in my day to day and the context changes. I'm reading, the, I'm reading everything completely different now as a parent. It's so crazy about reading about don't be anxious as a parent, you know, it's so different. And so in a way, I, I don't ever want to put so much pressure on people. Um, and I, I think I said it before, but like, if God is the cake, then everyone else is the icing. And and to mix, to confuse those two, or to put my job as the cake, 
or my or being a mom as like the most important thing in my life not that all of those things aren't important but none of those things are the main thing like I think that my faith and like who I am in terms of like how I hold myself how I treat other people like those core values of who I am and how my faith like informs those things is who I who like has made me who I've become you know and and, and it's continuing to shape and form me to be better and then on top of that it's like everything else like my marriage and like my being a mom now and then being in relationship with you and people like Kyle albeit sparse like that's all icing on the cake then and it it feels like I don't depend on those things to fill me always, right? That's not like my life source. Like, that's like, wow, like I got a hit of that inspiration and I'm so grateful to have done that. But the dependency then on something or on someone, somebody becomes a little bit less, not because they're not worthy of that or not because, but just because we're human and like, it's good. Um, but I have so many of those people, um, which I'm so grateful for, but when I come down to it, it's me and my faith, it feels like, and this ever flowing, like, it doesn't feel like I'm ever going to exhaust God. It doesn't feel like there aren't enough mercies or there isn't enough redemption or any of those things. And then everything else, all the conversations I get to have with you or with Alex or with Kiko, like, that's all just like, yeah, it's like, it's like bonus. It's like, how do I have all these extra lives? How do I have all these extra like stars in this Mario game or, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, that all feels like extra, like that I'm so undeserving of. I have the main thing I feel like and everything else just feels like, wow, like a, like an extra gift or present or things that I don't deserve at all that I'm just so thankful to have. Well, you being being that for yourself is first and foremost such an important thing because it is the only thing you could really control. Yeah. Is, you know, how you take care of yourself and, yeah. and also how you see yourself and how you uh, value yourself as a sense of support um, because you're always going to have those other people and those other somebodies. But by you doing that, you are so much to so many people mm. whether you know it or not and maybe sometimes it doesn't feel like it but it's it's super super true i can attest i know a lot of people can attest as well that you are somebody of influence and importance and value to so many that was i mean i'm i can say that probably some people do depend on you to be the evan or to be the laura or lynette yeah. um, for them and you know your sister but that being said because of that and it, there can, I mean, there's not a great word for this, but that can hold uh, like pressure to yeah. be that somebody for right. other people all the time totally. in a sense of like performative action or yeah. you know, giving of yourself. But that being said, in your own words, like how do you want to be remembered as somebody in history for not only yourself, but for other people? she was kind and she had good taste it's like somebody said that about someone <laughs> recently and we're like wow that's pretty that sums it up um no i would like to remember to someone um who was like for the people um and loved people well um yeah that 
you know, there might have been different conduits and there might have been different like mediums, like whether that's a magazine or whether that's an event or whether that's voter awareness. Um, but really all of that to me comes down to loving people, being passionate about people. Um, and I want to be remembered as someone who really um, cared about people and thought about people um, and loved people really well. She was just like, I want to be remembered by how much I loved others. Yeah. And uh, that definitely reminds me of that. That is, I think that is the legacy thereafter yeah. that you leave. We can ask you the rapid fire, are you that somebody questions? Yes, let's do it. I forgot about these. I hope, okay. that I have, I hope I have good ones. And we're going to just go and just, you know, go with your gut as far as answering them. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So who is somebody who makes you laugh? Alex. Who is somebody you can call any time of the day? Um, probably Lynette. Who is somebody you're currently in love with? Oh, Kiko Ian James. <laughs> who is somebody who deserves the spotlight? Oh, you, Laura, my friend Fran, who's a producer. Producers don't get any love. Um, I mean, there's so many more, but those are the people that come to mind very quickly. I'm honored. Who is somebody you wish to meet one day? Michelle Obama. Great, great choice. Our next president. Of course. Yeah, of Has course. Has to be. Somebody that you are proud of. Um, I'm so proud of my sister. Like, I don't know why. Every time you post your sister on social media, I like want to cry. I don't have a sister. I have a brother, but I'm like, oh, I feel you. The tear. Yeah, like the tears. I just asked her the other day. I was like, yo, how's it going? She's her fifth year heart surgery resident. And she's just like, honestly, it's going good. It's going bad. And I was like, yeah. Okay. I'm frustrated, but it's good because my patients are people. And they have loved ones and they are loved ones to someone and they deserve dignity. And like, I was just like, yes, Dr. Kim. <laughs> Cause I think, you know, especially in her field, it's easy to get, you know, inundated. I mean, they don't have enough PPE. It's like so wild. It's like so crazy. And, and to get lost in just like it being so shitty, I think, but um, I'm just so proud of her. It's wild. I could never, I could never. I mean, we do say that about other people, but, you know, you never know you can do something until you're either yeah. doing it or until it's actually done. So totally. I think you're a heart surgeon in a lot of different ways to other people. <laughs> different, different kind of heart Different, different, different saving the world vibe. Um, so the last thing is, who is somebody that you would like to give a somebody to me scarf to and why? I think um, Lynette, totally. When I can, um, she like changed the course of how I think about like a whole like group of people. Yeah. Um, pretty significant, which totally informs my life's work now, you know? And, um, yeah. And it wasn't because she tried, it's just because of who she is, you know, it was just her being her. You know, it wasn't because she's like, I'm a woman's advocate. <laughs> you know, She just is so beautiful in who she is as a person. And that example is something that, you know, a lot of people 
it's hard to be inspiring just by who you are, I think. I think people can speak well or do something well or da 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 but Lynette is so inspiring because of just who she is and how she lives her day to day. And um, yeah, definitely her. I do have a bonus question yes. specifically to you. Yes. Because I would like to know, and I want it to be documented and recorded, but, yes. you know, I fell in love with By Way Of since the moment that I knew about it. And I have seen it transform in so many different ways. Um, even, even just what it is at this very moment, you know, Sarah Kim James, mother of Kiko, married, you know, the whole, the whole works. I know that by way of has changed in a lot of ways, but stuck to its core. Yeah. But how would you like for the somebodies that are engaging with by way of mm-hmm. not just as a magazine, but as a platform, mm-hmm. how, what would, what would be the biggest takeaway that you would want for them to take away from it. And I would, I I think about this, especially now and how the world is. It's like, I really, um, it's very simple. Like I would like it to be practical. I would like it to be helpful and I would like it to be inspiring. Um, And when I say inspiring, I mean, not like, wow, I want to be like that. It's not like that. I want to be inspiring. I'm like, oh, that thing that I was really worried about, I could start too. Or like, oh, if I don't know something, then I can ask that question or create an event around it to, to answer that question, you know? And so I think practical, helpful and inspiring is how I would like people to remember that, you know, and even from its origins and like wanting to tell women who are behind the scenes, like telling their stories, it was, Oh, I can see myself. Oh, I didn't know that that's how it was done. Oh, she had a mentor or oh, she didn't have a mentor, you know, whatever, like, even just sharing those stories, I felt like it was so practical and so helpful for so many women to read those stories. Um, and so I felt like in that way, it still kept its ethos. But I think I think those things, there are so many things that are so well designed or so beautiful or like, um, or like started all these other things. You know, it's not, it's not that for me. You know, it's like, maybe also it's, um, practical, you know, helpful, inspiring, and then like, um, like community driven, or like, I'm trying to find the right word, like, um, I met other people that I still work with through By Way Of, you know, or I'm like, intersected with so many people um, through that platform that I'm still friends with today, I'm still working with today, or like, didn't realize we were in the same room at that time, you know, I'd like it just to be remembered as a place where there are intersections and it's where ideas like happened, you know, or collaboration like sparked or, um, or something like that as well. I mean, speaking of, you know, Lynette being leading by example, just by what she does, I've always been astounded by the people that you seek out to spotlight, because I think that directly correlates with a reader to be like, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not in fashion, but I can do, I can take from their process and apply it to me. Mm-hmm. Or this person finance and, you know, financial coaching and totally. all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, I, oh, I've never thought about it before. But you then realize, which is like why I even want, you know, somebody to me to be documented is like, mm-hmm. it does take a village to mm-hmm. all of these things that people do. And it personally, it just makes me feel less alone mm-hmm. with my thoughts. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need this. I want to do this. I want to look like this. And I can refer to this. I could refer to what you make 
and and remind myself that it's true. I can. Yeah. You know, no, I can so and I will. Glad. Yes. I'm so glad. And it's so nice to hear that. And I think, Sam, when you're doing something like this, you know, it's like, wow, it's such a good reminder, you know, of all those things. And it's so affirming in the work that I've done so far and the work that I want to continue to do. And you're right, it's documented, you know, and it's so glad. It's so amazing to remember those things and to know those things, you know. And so I'm so grateful that you're doing this and grateful to be a part as well. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate, I appreciate you. It's so crazy that email. I can't believe it. I have oh, to go I find will, it like now. find it, screenshot it, and yeah. you know, really, like, truly, the rest is history. But thank you for being a part of this and being somebody to me through and through. <laughs> thank really. you. I love you. So fun. I love you too. Thank you for listening to Somebody to Me podcast. Don't forget to follow the Somebody to Me Instagram. That's spelled. S-M-B-D-Y, the number two, M-E. And tag us on your post or DM us with any thoughts you may have. Please like and subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're listening from. I'm Sam Dannon, and thank you for being somebody to me.